What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, uh, justice and charity. The list goes on and on and on. I would then sit with your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But my disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I share with you, the responses I give to you might not be good for you. If that's the case, please feel free to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and study and worship and fellowship so that God can give you the graces that you may need over time to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you are a first time listener, you can be up with your own questions at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. You can share us on your social media pages. This will help other people to find out about the show. If it's been a gift for you, potentially, it can become a gift for other people as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about marriage. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, marriage being a necessity for the good of our society and for, for salvation. We're going to talk about retreat highs, and we're going to talk about unplanned pregnancies. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. My glory story is um, is I actually have two really cool ones. One is that man, God is just so good. I uh, you know the devil hates us. The devil hates us. The devil hates us, and he will come and try to tempt us with lies and just get in our minds. And um, the other day, I literally had two occasions where I was just like I, I was being tempted to brood and. You know, my mind is a is a dangerous place. In my mind, it's where I encounter God, but also my mind is where I can be attacked the most. And anyway, without going into too much detail, at one point, whenever I was triggered in my mind and I was like struggling with like brooding over something that someone said to me, uh, a priest texted me. He said, hey, I'm before the bus sacrament right now and I'm praying for you. I hope you're okay. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like in that very moment, I wasn't okay. So it drew me to prayer. Then that evening, again, after working, I had quiet time and the quiet, the devil came up again, temptation, my mind brooding, and boom, got another text message from another priest. At that moment, the second I started to brood, hey man, hope you're doing well, I've been praying for you, you're in my heart right now. Crazy. Immediately was drawn to the chapel to get on my knees, open the word of God, read scripture, and eventually those suggestions from the enemy went away. So number one, just so grateful for the mystical body of Christ and for the Holy Spirit inspiring those priests to reach out to me when they did. But I also had a really phenomenal marriage retreat this weekend uh, with Dr. Mara Sikasa. It was so beautiful. It was so life-giving. I was able to witness so many couples experience renewal and restoration in their marriages and their relationship with Jesus Christ, and also to develop holy friendships with each other so that they can hold each other accountable to their relationship with God. It was so much fun. We even uh, we, we ended it Saturday night. Well, Sunday it ended with Mass, but on Saturday night, we ended up doing like a game show, and we did like the couples game. And after the couples game, I led a game show, 
and it was like couple versus couple. It was so much fun. Like, it was a trivia game show. So, for instance, something like some trivia would be uh, <laughs> uh, the trivia would be if Keith Sweat were married, he would ask his wife, "Who could love you like me?" And the answer would be <laughs> nobody, baby. <laughs> Oh, man, I had so much fun with those married couples. It was such a gift, such a, such a gift. So, yeah, so that was that. Uh, so that was my, my glory story. Was just, I just, I love, I love retreats and I love supporting marriages and, and families. We got some feedback also from Mandy. Mandy writes this. Hey, Father Josh, I was recently introduced to your podcast and I absolutely love it. It was a pleasant surprise to find out you are a fellow Louisianian and a coffee lover. I'm from Thibodeau. My mama gave me coffee milk when I was little, too. You are so relatable and do a great job at putting things in a way that makes it easy to understand. I also love the musical outburst and sing right along with you a lot of times. God bless Mandy. That's great, Mandy. I, I do really love to sing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, fun times, fun, fun times. All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into today's show. So first question comes in about retreat highs, which is very appropriate because uh, I just left a married couples retreat at St. Joseph's Abbey. And so now we're going to talk about how to follow up with that. So this comes in from Anonymous. Many years ago, I took part in a retreat uh, through my church. It was a couple of couples oriented retreat and took place over three days. Ah, just like what I did. At the end of the retreat, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me that I never felt before. I could feel God's love inside me wherever I went. I was walking on clouds. Unfortunately, as a parent with a job, I wasn't long before I was back into the normal and that feeling only lasted a few days. How do I get that feeling back and maintain it always? I never felt so loved and holy as I did for those three days. Thanks, Father Josh. You know, I think a few things. Um, number one is recognize anytime we experience a retreat eye, uh, supernatural grace from God, the devil's always going to try to mimic and he's always going to try to distract us. So like if you go back into the Bible, uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John on the top of Mount Tabar and they experienced the transfiguration of our Lord where they heard God the Father speak and they audibly heard him speak out loud. And then they saw an apparition of Moses who died in the first five books of the Bible and also Elijah who was taken up into heaven. They saw Moses and Elijah with Jesus and it's a huge retreat high. And Peter's like, Lord, I'm gonna make some tents. We need to stay here forever. Like, I just wanna stay on this high forever. Make it last forever and ever. I want to stay on this retreat high. Hey. So what did Jesus say? Like, now we got to go back, go back to reality. So when they left their retreat experience of being on top of Mount Tabor, they go back down and immediately there's a young person who got possessed by a demon. This completely distracted the apostles, lost their minds. What did the devil do? The devil tried to take what God did and mimic it and do something also extraordinary to distract them. And that's what God, the devil is going to do with us. When God gives us supernatural graces, the devil will always be waiting around the corner to distract us, to pull us down, to beat us up all the time. It happens without fail. So it's important when we're on those retreats to journal, to journal about the graces so that we could go back to the graces and remember the graces from those retreats that we've experienced. But also to be very practical with 
God into with our, especially for you, this is a couple's retreat, with our spouses to be very, very practical by putting them on the calendar, by prioritizing intentional, consistent time with them on the calendar, by giving God 15 minutes every single day at minimum that is set apart from the television, set apart from the cell phone, set apart from distractions. 15 minutes where I can have time with God apart from everyone else, with the Word of God, no distractions, with praise and worship, with uh, journaling, right? Uh, with the rosary, but like give God his time, but then also give uh, your spouse the time that they also need, which means that you might have to let the television babysit your kids for 15 to 20 minutes whenever you go for a walk with your spouse or, or go drink some wine with your spouse or go have coffee with your spouse, which means you might have to invite your neighbors or someone else to like watch the kids so that way you can get away with your spouse and have some intentional time apart with them separated from the cell phone, the distractions, the screens. I imagine when you were on retreat, one of the graces was that you were apart from the world. You were away from the television. You were away from the cell phone, and that helped you to connect deeper with God and your spouse. So I'd encourage you to prioritize time on your calendar where it is set apart screen-free Sundays, screen-free one day of the week where you put away the screens, you put away the TV, you put away the phone. So you can encounter each other again and so that you can also uh, encounter the Lord in a deeper way as well, free from unnecessary distractions. Uh, so number one, recognize when you go on retreats, you're going to be attacked. So it's, it's good to journal the graces, uh, but it's also good to be practical when you come back from those retreats and think about what worked during, during those retreats that I can incorporate into my daily life as well. This is one of the gifts of Lent. When we enter into Lent, uh, it's, a, it's a blessing because we are able to fast uh, from something good and that draws us to pray more. And if it was a really good Lent, then the encouragement is to keep fasting from whatever that good thing was so that we can keep praying more, so that we can keep growing. We don't want to just like give it up like, oh, well, I'm only going to get holy every year uh, during Lent. Like, nah, if, if it was really beneficial, then incorporate that fast in some way, shape, or form into your daily life. You don't have to do it every single day, but maybe pick three days a week to fast from whatever that thing is that is good, that is not the greatest good, that is not God, that is not um, your spouse, that is not your family. So, I would encourage you to, to try to incorporate whatever work during those retreats into your daily life as well. And then go on another retreat again, like prioritize it. I do eight-day silent retreats every single year. That is a thing that I do that I must prioritize because when I go on eight-day silent retreats, I'm able to encounter the love of God and that those graces from those retreats really do sustain me in my relationship with the Lord. And so there are people and places and things and activities that I prioritize on my calendar. There are some people that I I will see at least once a month because they are a near occasion of grace for me. They're not ministry. They don't, they don't ask me to do ministry for them. They simply fill me up. They fill me up. Uh, there are places that I can go to get filled up. There are things that I could do that can fill me up. And so I must prioritize those people, places, things, and activities on my calendar um, because so much of my life as a priest is just giving, 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 emptying myself, pouring myself out, going out of myself, out of myself for other people. And so it's important for me to, to, to have those places and people that can draw me closer to God, to help me reconnect with God. And, and you need that as well. Um, so those are some things that I think could potentially help you uh, in your desires to abide deeper in intimacy with God and your spouse, like you did for those three days on that retreat. All right, next question comes in from Alex. We're going to keep it with the theme of marriage. Marriage. Uh, <clears throat> hey, how I go? See, first of all, I know these so-called players wouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to be real and say what's on my heart. Let's get married, let's get married, baby. Let's get married, baby. All right, so speaking of marriage from Alex, 
He writes to say, Father Josh, there are many young people today who choose not to get married because they are afraid of broken marriages and family. Why should we as young people fight for marriage and the family? What's the role of family in society and in God's plan for salvation? That's a great question, Alex. So number one, who does fear come from? The word of God tells us this. Do not be afraid over and over and over again. This fear is not coming from God. This fear is clearly coming from the enemy. And so the first thing we want to do is fight against that fear because we want the love of God to dictate every decision that we make in our walk toward eternity. We don't want fear to dictate um, the decisions that we make. We don't want shame or, or, or brokenness to dictate our decisions. We want it to be the love of God. Jesus was inspired to do everything that he did by the love of the Father. He would go away, receive the love of the Father, and do the mission that the Father had sent him to do. The love of the Father dictated every choice that Jesus Christ made in his journey towards Jerusalem. And the same should be for us as well. God's love should dictate the, the decisions that you make. Not your past mistakes, not your parents' past mistakes, not society's past mistakes. God's love. And God's love is manifested to us in his word. And his word tells us that marriage is a gift. One of the first commandments in scriptures is to be fruitful and multiply. And Jesus Christ speaks to us about marriage. St. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? Freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully. Just as my priesthood is a sign that could point people when they see me to heaven, just like religious sisters, whenever they wear a habit and people see them, it points them and directs them to the reality of God. So do healthy and holy and mature marriages. Whenever we are able to witness people who have chosen to freely sacrifice their lives for someone else, to love each other totally, to hold nothing back, even if it costs them much, to give of each other, to share everything, their minds and their hearts and their, their prayer and their bodies with each other, uh, free, total, faithful, and fruitful to, to manifest a supernatural fruit, um, not only in their in their children, but also in their spiritual children that they're able to, to manifest maternity and paternity with in their relationship. This inspires us to be able to recognize God. Marriage is a sacrament that points us to God, to heaven, to eternity. And we were not created for this world. And so the reason why it's important for young people to fight for marriage and the family is because young people, marriage and family is a bridge to Jesus and Jesus Christ, not only temporarily, not only momentarily, but Jesus Christ for all eternity. And Jesus Christ is the one who we were created for. So I would encourage you, um, if you are not going to um, enter into a state of life vocation of priesthood or religious life or consecrated virginity, to consider the state of life vocation of marriage, uh, because it is not just for you, it's for the world. As the sacrament of marriage is a gift that God has given us to, to draw all of us outside of that particular relationship to the Father. And so what do we do? Well, we look to God. We listen to God. And God's word tells us about this gift of marriage that is a pathway uh, to heaven. And so if you want to if you want to have a tangible expression of the love of God for us, go find a healthy, holy couple. If you can't find any, then become one. Become one, not only for your salvation and your spouse's salvation, but to draw all of us to believe and to trust that that there's someone out there more for us in our walk toward eternity. Um, and that's that's the love of God, the bridegroom. So hopefully, Alex, that was helpful. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into our final question about unplanned pregnancies that take place outside of marriage. How do I capture and pass down insights and truths that are meaningful? Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, the creator of the Bible Timeline Learning System, and I created the Insight Journal. 
Within the Insight Journal is a system to keep track of the best insights of life in an organized and easily accessible way. No more rummaging through journal after journal to find that one insight from prayer that you want to share. I have done months of research to create the best journal for you to keep your golden nuggets of truth. Get ready to write your insights from Mass, the Bible, talks, and more in a beautiful cloth-covered journal with a ribbon, strap, and interior folder. To order your copy of the Insight Journal, go to ascensionpress.com forward slash Insight Journal. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash Josh. And you can rate us, review us, and share us on your social media pages. Again, this helps other people to find out about the show. If it's been good for you, potentially it could be good for them as well. Last question comes in from Anonymous, and it's about an unplanned pregnancy. I was dating a guy who was Catholic, and in our first date, we talked about our physical boundaries and staying pure. We had a lengthy conversation, and he agreed with all of it. A few months into dating, though, we crossed that boundary. I was so guilty afterwards that I made a point to go to confession at first opportunity. I decided based on other instances that this is not the guy for me. However, after that one time, I find myself pregnant. I'm in a financially stable position to have a child, but somehow I can't shake this off a feeling that I'm being punished. I want a child, but not this way. I know I'm forgiven by God after confession, but this pregnancy is a constant reminder for my sin, and I'm struggling to see this as a blessing. Am I sinning by thinking this? How do I get over this guilt, shame, and, and anger? I prayed for a husband, a holy husband, and I thought God helps those who help themselves. So I tried dating even though I didn't want to make sure I was doing my part. Why does this happen instead? How can I change my perspective on this anonymous? Well, God bless you, anonymous. God bless you. Um, as I was praying for you, the saint that came to my mind and my heart was St. Martin de Porres uh, because he, uh, was, uh, he was born out of wedlock. Um, he is a saint who's born out of wedlock. So your child that you are carrying in your womb may be a canonized saint one day. Uh, you could be carrying the next great saint for our our generation. So first of all, thank you for choosing life and for choosing to continue with the pregnancy because you uh, may bless this world with someone who may radically transform the lives of so many people in our in our walk toward eternity. I mean, as far as the guilt goes, you know, guilt, there, there's, there's good guilt and there's bad guilt. You know, good guilt uh, is is conviction. I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit for my sin, Bad guilt is condemnation. I am discouraged. I am uh, accused. Uh, and the one who gives us the conviction is Holy Spirit. The one who gives us condemnation is the accuser. We call him Satan. And so there is a spiritual warfare going on right now around you where Satan is trying to accuse you and discourage you and, and condemn you. And the Lord is trying to just convict you to holiness and to remind you that you were created for heaven and to remind you that, that no person, place, or thing on earth will ever satisfy you, that only God can. And, and that conviction would draw you to Jesus over and over and over again. Now, I can't imagine what, it, what you're feeling right now, though, because obviously this was not your plan. This is not the way that you thought your life would turn out. And so sometimes whenever life does not go the way that we had planned it to go, we can become filled with anxiety. On top of the anxiety that you're experiencing right now, you're pregnant. And so there's like baby hormones that are mixed with this situation that isn't ideal, right? You're pregnant outside of marriage. And so you're like, man, this is just not what I would have wanted, what I would have hoped for. But it is what it is. And we can't change the past. We can only be present to the present. So I would encourage you in the present moment 
to uh, do two things. Number one, to daily reflect on the love of God through reading Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son where he experienced the unconditional love of the father. The father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the father is loving you right now, delighting in you right now. He sees you, he knows you, and he absolutely loves you so much. But also in the present moment to reach out to a good Catholic counselor to support you on this road. Um, It's important to have someone that we can talk to about our experiences of anxiety um, uh, and about our just about life not happening the way that we thought it was going to happen. And so I would highly encourage you to find a good Catholic therapist and that way they can walk with you and you can begin to see things differently through your relationship with them, but also through your relationship with Jesus in, in prayer. Are you sinning by feeling guilty? No. Like, you know, again, guilt can be good. It can be conviction. And you're being attacked if, by the enemy if you're feeling condemned. And so that's not a sin to, to get attacked by the enemy. Um, you can't control that. You can't control your feelings. But all you can do is control how you respond to them, which is I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to be more compassionate to other people in this situation. And I'm going to reach out to other people in the body of Christ who can accompany me, like counselors. Uh, Jesus Christ, when he was carrying his cross, he allowed Simon of Cyrene to accompany him. And so you are the body of Jesus Christ today. So I would invite you to allow someone else to accompany you in this season of your life as well. So hopefully that was helpful. Uh, If you're listening to this show this week, uh, this is the week of many feast days. And so particularly we're celebrating St. Michael and St. Gabriel and St. Raphael. So let's go ahead and entrust this show in your hearts to the intercession of St. Michael. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, casting the hell of Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. All right. Hopefully this show has been helpful for you. I love you all very much, and I will see you in the Eucharist.